All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good. All right, all right, all right. I'm excited that you are here. I hope that you're excited to be in God's house. I believe God's got something for us today if we'll just give Him our attention. Uh, we are in the second week of a series we're calling Let Go. Let It Go. Uh, because the truth is, each and every one of us, we have some things in our life uh, that we really need to let go of, but uh, it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard to let go because some of us have been holding on to some things for so long. Some of us have been holding on to some things for so long that we really aren't quite sure how we would live our life without whatever that thing is in it anymore. And so it's hard uh, to let go. How many of you guys have ever seen the commercials uh, for that, that app on your phone called Let Go? Let Go. You've seen those couple of people, a couple of people, you're like, what is that? It's like a, a sale site, like a Facebook marketplace. Uh, but they have some of the, the, the greatest commercials, man, uh, in my particular uh, opinion. They've got one uh, that's pretty funny. There's this guy, and he's trying to load this arcade uh, this arcade game in the back of his truck. And as he's trying to load this arcade game in the back of the truck, there's this avalanche. There's this wall of snow, this wall of ice that is flooding towards him. And so as he's loading that, I mean, he's about to die, but as he's loading that arcade game uh, into the back of that truck, there's a driver in the truck and the driver says, dude, uh, you need to let it, you need to let it go. And so the guy says, but I've had it forever. And so the driver says, and, and so again, keep in mind, as this conversation's going on, he, this wall of snow, this wall of ice, this avalanche is coming. They're really about to die. And so he says, you know, I've had it forever. That's basically why I can't get rid of it. I've had it forever. So the driver gets out of the truck and he says, well, we'll sell it on let go. You just take a picture and post it. And immediately after that, this guy shows up that's been on a sled. There's these dogs there and everything. And so this guy says, I'll take it. And so you see he gets it loaded on his sled and they sled off. And then you see the guys in the truck, they drive off just as this avalanche comes and destroys everything. But you hear the voice on that commercial say, it's time to let go. It really is a great advertisement, but it's also something that captures the true condition of the human heart. It captures the fact that so many people really do have a hard time letting go of things. We have a hard time letting go of stuff. I, I remember when I was coming up, uh, we grew up pretty poor. Didn't have a whole lot. My mom worked two jobs just to take care of me and just to take care of my sister and also to take care of my granny who lived with us. And so we didn't have a whole lot of stuff. But one thing I do remember we had was we had a garage. How many of y'all got a garage? You got a garage? You might know what a garage is for. It's, it's for a car, right? You're supposed to park your car there. But unfortunately, we had so much stuff, so much junk, we couldn't even park our, our car, my mom's car, uh, in the garage. And one thing that we just had this overabundance of was, was jars. There were jars everywhere, empty jars. Uh, see, my mom and my granny, they loved to can jelly. And so every jar of anything at the house, if you emptied a jar, you didn't throw that jar away. You had to keep that jar because they'd say, oh, one day we're going to can some jelly. We're going to can some jelly. And so, man, in that garage, there were jars on the ground. There were jars on shelves. There were jars in the attic. There were 
jars here a jar, there a jar, everywhere a jar, jar. If I'm exaggerating, it's only slightly, but we had as many jars as the seas on the, sea, on the seashore. You know what I mean? They were literally everywhere. And if I ever threw a jar away, it was like somehow my mom knew it. You know what I mean? And so I was going to hear about these jars. And so again, they were just everywhere. But if we'd have canned as much jelly as we had jars, I'm telling you, we'd have put some folks out of business. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been Welch's jelly. It'd have been Andrew's jelly or something like that. We'd have, we'd have made some money. And I always wondered, you know, when we moved out of that house, we had to leave those jars there because we didn't have no place to put them. And so I always wondered what the people who moved into that house thought was going on. You know what I mean? And they probably thought we were drug smugglers or something. I don't know. Because nobody has that many jars. But, but, but again, we just couldn't let go of those jars. And all of us, if we were to be really honest, we all have things in our life just like that. Uh, I mean, you might not have jars that you need to let go of, but we've all got some things that we know we need to let go of, some things that we we know we're never going to use, some things that we know we don't need to use, some things that we know keep us from being who God wants us to be, some things that we know keep us from following God the way that we know we ought to follow God, but we've grown accustomed to those things, and so it's hard. It's hard to, to let go. Last week we talked about letting go of our stuff because sometimes it's the stuff we're holding on to that keeps us from being able to grab a hold of Christ. And today I want to talk to you about distractions. I want to talk to you about letting go of distractions. Now, how many of you today would just admit that you're easily distracted? If you're sitting by somebody who didn't raise their hand, uh, they probably weren't listening because they were distracted, right? Uh, the truth of the matter is most of us are easily distracted. But as I was looking that word distracted up or distractions, that word actually comes from a Latin word. It comes from a Latin word. And here's what that word actually means in the Latin. It means to pull away. Everybody say pull away. Pull away. Say a little bit better. It says pull away. It means to pull away or actually drag away. Everybody say drag away. That's right. Y'all are doing good. Y'all are doing good. So I want you to picture it this way. This is the best way I know how to illustrate this. I got some volunteers I already talked to. We got Bubba and Samantha. They're part of the front row crew. Come on up here, Bubba and Samantha. Y'all welcome them to the stage. Give them just a second. I want you guys to really see what distraction Looks like. All right, so we got Samantha and we got Bubba. You guys just kind of look at the, here. We let's swap spots right here. Y'all doing a great job, but look at the look at the crowd. Don't look at me. All right, so let's. They, how long y'all been married? How, how long y'all been? How, okay, how long happily married? All of them. Okay, whoo, that was. Well, I don't know. All right, so all of them, Bubba. That's just supposed to. All right, so they're husband and wife, and they're in front of everybody, and they're kind of like scared right now. But here's the deal. We're going to pretend. All right, so Samantha, I want you to pretend like you got something really important to say to Bubba. You guys are having a conversation. So pretend like you're saying something real important to him. You got to move your mouth. Like you got to participate. Pretend like you're saying something important to Bubba right here. And Bubba, you pay attention to her. Don't pay attention to me. Y'all, I'm about to show y'all what distraction really looks like. All right, Bubba, don't pay attention. I'm going to put this around your neck. I mean, about around your waist. And so watch this. So here's what distraction is, okay? As, as Samantha's trying to tell Bubba something real important, 
As Samantha's trying to tell Bubba about what's going on in her heart, something that's really near and dear, distraction is when something pops into Bubba's mind about, I wonder who's playing football this weekend. Did I flush the toilet? What's, what's for dinner tonight? And the whole time she's trying to tell him something important. And again, Bubba's thinking, man, man, is Alabama going to be good this year? Boo. He's, he's thinking all these things. And Samantha's feeling like, man, he's not paying attention to anything I'm saying. Any married couples, does this happen to y'all? Does anybody know? A lot of the ladies are raising their hands, but it's not just, it doesn't just happen with ladies. It doesn't. There are times where, where me and Amanda, I'll be trying to tell her about my feelings. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to tell her, and she's, I can tell she's checking out on me, you know? And then I'll get done, and it's like she just magically showed back up. She's like, honey, you want to make out? I'm like, you didn't even listen to anything I said. You know what I'm saying? That's how she is. I don't understand. But again, again, that's what distraction is. Does it happen in marriage? All right. So watch this. That was the first part of the illustration. Tell them they did a good job. All right. So now, now, which one of y'all is more like Jesus? <laughs> oh, not the right answer. Say her. 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 That's right. We'll pretend like this is Jesus. Bubba's like, that's a stretch. I'm married to her. I know. Don't say that, Bubba. Don't say that. So here's the deal. We're going to pretend like Samantha is Jesus, okay? Y'all didn't know Jesus was going to be here today. Samantha is Jesus, okay? We're pretending, okay? She's Jesus. And so Bubba is going to be your average follower. You're going to be an average follower of Jesus Christ, okay? And so Bubba is walking with Jesus. He's talking with Jesus. He's spending time with Jesus. He's worshiping Jesus. Go ahead and worship her. You've got to participate. <laughs> Samantha's like, oh, I like this. All right. So he's worshiping Jesus. He's walking with Jesus. But here's what I want you to understand. Your enemy, your enemy and every force of hell every demonic force of hell do you know what they want to do they want to distract you from jesus every every time you go to read your bible your enemy wants to pull you away every time you're coming to church the enemy wants to pull you away he wants to disengage your faith and get you away from jesus and do you know why because he doesn't want you to enjoy closeness he doesn't and so if he can distract you, if he can drag you away and pull you away, here's, here's what I've always been told. I've always been told that the devil actually doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. You know why? Because if he can distract you, he will neutralize you, and you'll end up destroying yourself. You'll end up destroying yourself. So he pulls us away from the Bible. He pulls us away from prayer. He pulls us away from church. He pulls us away from the people of God, again, to get us away from Christ, to disengage our faith. That's what distractions actually look like, right? Give it up for Bubba and Jesus. They did a great job. <laughs> hey, let me get this rope off of it. Bubba might have to stay up here all day. All right, here we go, because we're not done with that rope. But that's what distraction looks like that's what it actually looks like so what do we do with distractions well i want to point out two things if you're keeping notes you want to write them down the first thing that i want you to see about distractions is that we need to know we need to diminish distractions we need to diminish 
distractions. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, there's an unbelievable story, an unbelievable story about these two sisters who actually get the honor and privilege of having Jesus Christ come to their house. Can't you help me? That'd be amazing, right? Mary and Martha, Jesus comes to their house. And here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Here's what the Bible says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Don't forget that. But Martha was what? Distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now let me stop because I completely get this. I I mean, I understand. If Jesus was coming to your house, wouldn't you want everything right? When you want everything right, man, I don't know about you guys, but if Jesus come to my house, I want the place cleaned. I want the place to smell good. We're going to light some candles. I mean, I, I, want, I want the place to have been vacuumed. I want the place to have been dusted. Anybody else, are you, are you like that? You know what I mean? I heard about this one guy. heard about the true story. heard about this one guy who uh, got home from work one day. He got home from work one day, and his wife had taken off. She had taken off. She said she was going to clean the house. She was going to dust the house. She was going to do all sorts of things. You know what I mean? True story. And so uh, when the husband got home, you know, the wife hadn't done anything. Hadn't done nothing. And every now and then we all need days like that, right, where you just take it easy and you just rest. But the husband, man, he was so mad. He was so mad. But the wife, she's in a good mood. And so the husband sits down on TV, on the, on the sits down on the couch. That would be weird if he sat on the TV. He sits on the couch, and he's flipping through the channels, and the wife comes and snuggles up against him. She's in a good mood, man. She's taking it easy all day. And she says, honey, what's on TV? And so as he's, he's looking forward, he, he, he lowers his eyebrows. She says, what's on TV? He says, dust. Nobody ever saw that man again. That's a true story. But again, if Jesus is coming to your house, don't you want things to be perfect? I know that I do. I want things to be cleaned up. I want to make sure that Jesus has something to drink. I want to make sure that things are just right. So I don't blame Martha for being distracted here. She's distracted by all the preparations that have to be made. But but because she's distracted, you know what happens? A couple of things happen to her that also can, can happen to us easily when we're distracted. This isn't the main point, but if you want to write them down, this is some subpoints under this. When, when we're distracted, when we're distracted, it's easier for us to question whether or not God cares about us or not. It is. When we're distracted, we begin to question whether or not God cares. Look at verse 40 again. This is again Luke chapter 10, verse 40. Very clearly, the Bible says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him. She came to Jesus. And she says, Lord, don't you care? Now, come on, man. When you're distracted and you feel like you got to go here and you got to go there, you got to do this, you got to do that, and you're just pulled in a million different directions, have you ever wondered, God, do you even care? Especially when you feel like, man, I'm doing all this stuff for Jesus. Man, I'm cleaning for Jesus. I'm cooking for Jesus. I'm doing all this good stuff. And you begin to wonder, man, Jesus, if you really cared, I wouldn't be experiencing this. Jesus, what's going on in my life right now isn't fair. It's not, it's not fair. Do you even care? Have you ever been there? Martha is wondering, do you care? And again, the things that Martha's distracted by are good things. They're not bad things. But you know what? They weren't the best thing. 
The best thing for Martha was to be at the feet of Jesus. The best thing for Martha was to be in His presence. But she's so distracted. She's literally pulled away. She's, she's, she's pulled away from the very presence of Jesus. And she's wondering, God, do you even care? Do you care for me? And we live in a world where that happens for so many people. I talk to people all the time and they're just wondering, man, does God care? And so I'll ask them something along the lines of, I'm like, well, are you reading your Bible? And, and they'll say no. And I'll say something like, well, I haven't seen you at church in, 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 a, in, a, long, in a long time. And they'll say, man, we've just been busy. No, you've been distracted. You have been pulled away. Don't you forget that your enemy in every force of hell wants to do everything they can to pull you away and to distract you so that you will wonder, does God even care about me? But I'm here to tell you that of course Jesus Christ cares for you. You need to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, check this out. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Why do you think Jesus wants to give you rest? Because he cares for you. He goes on to say in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The truth is God cares for you. He cares for me. It's the enemy that wants you to question that. The enemy that wants you to doubt that. God knows the very hairs on your head. Man, he created you on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. And the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, enemies of God, man, he loved us and cared for us. The Bible says for whoever, whosoever believes in God, right? He died for the entire world. He died for you. He died for me. He cares. It's the enemy. The enemy that wants you to question whether or not he cares. So he does what he can to pull you away and to distract you. You think it's just a coincidence that people can get up and be at work Monday through Friday at 8 o'clock in the morning. But they can't get up and be at a church service at 9 or 11. You're being pulled away. You're being dragged away. You, you say, well, we stayed home from church today because we just needed rest. Did you not read that in Matthew chapter 11? Real rest for our souls doesn't come from our bed. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. You're being dragged away. You think it's a coincidence you can stay up late and watch your favorite television show, but every time you go to read the Bible, you get tired and want to go to sleep. Whenever you go to pray, you fall asleep while you're praying. You think that's just a coincidence? You're being dragged away, pulled away. That's why some of us need to turn off of our phones, turn off the TVs, turn off the computers, and we need to get one-on-one -on -one with Jesus Christ. That's why some of us need to turn off our phones and spend time with our families, our spouses, and our children. Again, I'm telling you, sometimes our family are going through such difficult things, we don't even realize it because we're so distracted. I'm telling you, your enemy, he wants to pull you away from Christ and pull you away from what matters most. He wants to pull you away and make you wonder, do you even care, God? 
He wants to distract you from the goodness of God. And something else that I've noticed about being distracted is not only will that being distracted cause you to, to question the goodness of God, but being distracted makes it a little easier for you and I to find fault with others. It does. I want you to see this in verse 40 again. Look what the Bible says. It says, but Martha, she's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, Jesus, and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You see that exclamation point? See, I don't know if you can sense the tone that's probably happening right there in that conversation with Jesus, but you can definitely see that exclamation point. Martha is so upset with her sister, she don't even call her sister by name. You've been so upset with somebody, you didn't call them by their name. You called them by another name. Some of y'all looking at the person next to you. Last night, they were yelling at me, right? Right? I mean, that, that's how it is. Folks, Martha is mad. She's so mad, and the people who are closest to her, they're about to hear all about it. Man, is that you? Are you always angry with other people? Are you always seeing what you do and never noticing what everybody else does? Never noticing their contributions? I've seen it in a lot of marriages. I have. One spouse will say, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do They don't do nothing. Folks, if that's you, you might just be distracted. You might just be distracted. Listen to me. Man, your spouse might not do everything that you think they ought to do or everything that they really need to do, but marriage is about serving your spouse, period. That's what marriage is about. I, I'm supposed to treat my wife in such a way. I'm supposed to treat my wife like the queen that she is. See, I'm supposed to, so I'm supposed to treat my wife in such a way because I, she's a daughter of God. And I don't want her heavenly father to ever look at me and say, don't you ever talk to my daughter that way. I, I don't want God to ever look at me and say, don't you dare treat my daughter that way. It, and it, it doesn't just go for men. It's the same thing for women, right? Women are supposed to honor and respect their husbands. You, you don't want to treat a son of God in such a way that the son, that, that God looks at you and says, don't ever disrespect my son that way. Again, when we do that, it pulls us away from one another. It, it disrupts the oneness. And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy the family. He wants to drag us away. And nine times out of ten, when we blow up on our spouses, it's because we're distracted. It's because we're distracted. We get distracted with work. We get distracted with everything that we feel like we have to do and everything that we feel like we need to do. We get distracted with what's going on in life. And I'm telling you, we got to diminish distractions. Because what are they? They're pulling us away. They're dragging us away. 
Martha was distracted. She's blowing up on her sister. She's wondering if God even cares about her. And again, it's all because she's distracted. We've got to diminish them. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, gives us some unbelievable advice in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. I want you to see this. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. You see that? We need as few distractions as possible. If we're going to be who God wants us to be, we need as few distractions as possible. If we're going to live the life that Jesus wants us to live, we need as few distractions as possible. What are you doing to diminish the distractions in your life? Because I'm telling you, the enemy is pulling He is pulling at you. He's pulling at me. He wants to drag us away and hold us captive. So again, we got to do everything we can to diminish distractions. The second thing, if you're keeping notes, you want to write down the second thing that we've got to know. Not only do we diminish distractions, but we got to focus on what's most important. we got to focus on what's most important. Hebrews chapter 12, I know Pastor Beaver kind of referred to it as we were worshiping. Today, but I want you to see what Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, says. Great words here. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, everybody say, let us. Do it a little better. Say, let us. All right, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What's that verse say? It says, hey, let us throw off the stuff that's really just not important, the stuff that trips us up, the stuff that causes us to sin. Let's throw that off. I talk to people a lot of times, and they're like, man, I wish God would just take this away from me, this desire from me. Man, that verse right there says, let us throw off, right? It's not just God's responsibility. We're responsible for throwing off those distractions. Let us throw off. Everything that trips us up. And he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on who? On Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Again, picture this scene that's going on in Luke chapter 10. Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She has her eyes on Jesus. Jesus has her attention. She's listening as Jesus talks. She's listening as Jesus teaches. She hears as Jesus talks about maybe he's the bread of life. She hears as Jesus talks about this abundant life that's available to her. She hears as Jesus talks about how you and I need to to bless our enemies. We need to bless them and not curse them. We need to pray for them. She's hearing all this. And what's Martha doing? She's missing out. She's missing out. She's distracted by some food in the oven. She's missing out. And again, what she's distracted by isn't bad. It just wasn't best. But her distractions literally lead her to question whether or not Jesus cares for her. 
Her distractions cause her to easily find fault with her sister. And her distractions, they cause her to, to start dictating to Jesus what he needs to do. I mean, she goes to Jesus. She goes to God. She says, God, you need to tell my sister to get in here. Tell my sister to help. Have you ever had somebody come at you talking like that? With just demanding and screaming and yelling. Man, I'm from Pearl, bro. We, we don't do that. That's dangerous, right? It don't work out good that way. Man, again, Martha has this type of attitude. And it's not just with a person. It's literally with God. She has this attitude with God, which proves to me, again, that distractions are dangerous. And I remember when I was in junior high. Man, I remember in junior high, Pearl, man, at, at, at the junior high, we had to wait outside until the bell rang for school to start. And there was this huge courtyard. And so everybody just kind of encircled the courtyard. There was this huge wall. And so from time to time, there were kids that would ever play wall ball. Anybody ever play wall ball coming up? Yeah, so they'd play wall ball. They'd do stuff like that. But one thing that they did like literally every day that seemed to be like a hit there was people would race from one end of the courtyard to the other. You say, you say, really, Robert? Yeah, we're from Pearl. Okay, that's what we did, man. That's how we roll. That's what we did. But, 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 but anyway, every now and then, some kid would be running so hard, he'd trip and he'd hit the pavement. He'd skin his knee. I mean, that's what everybody was watching it for. They were trying to see who was going to bite the pavement, right? That's why you watch NASCAR, right? It's not just to watch a car go around in a circle. You watch it for the crashes, right? That, that's what you do. And so everybody would watch and they'd love it when somebody would trip. They'd love it when somebody would fall. They'd watch it for the bumps, bumps and bruises. And I used to dream. Of I used to dream literally of being the fastest kid in junior high. It was like my dream. If you've seen me on the softball field, it, it didn't come a re become a reality. I don't run real fast. But that was my dream. Man, I used to dream about anybody wanting to step to me and race me, nobody being able to touch me. You know what I'm saying? But I, I never raced anybody at junior high. I never did. But what I would do is every day when my bus driver would drop me off at the bus stop that was about three or four houses down from my house, we would count to three. We would count to three, and I would take off running to my house. I would take off running to my house, and she would floor that bus, man, and we would race to my house. Well, one day I was feeling it. Ooh, this is my day. This is my day. Robert Andrews faster than a speeding school bus. It's happening today. That's what I thought. And so, man, I, I, I ducked down. I looked at her. She looked at me. We counted to three. And then I took off. Run. I had my backpack on. It's beating me up. You know what I'm saying? I'm wearing my backpack. And I'm beating the school bus. I'm running faster than the school bus. Y'all give me some praise. That, yeah. That, this is a true story. Everybody's hanging out the window on the bus. They're going, run, Robert, run. It's a true story. And I'm running. And I hear that school bus getting closer and closer. I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm looking over my shoulder because, man, I'm moments from victory. I'm almost at my house. And I get to my driveway and boom! I get laid out. Y'all remember I told you about all them jars in the garage? My mom couldn't park there. Apparently, she came home early from work one day, and her car was in the driveway, and I didn't know it. Man, I hit that Nissan Sentra, got laid out. All the kids on the bus went from saying, run, Robert, run. I heard, oh, as they drove off. True story. It happened because I got distracted. Because I wasn't looking where I needed to be looking. I wasn't fixing my eyes straight ahead. And Martha should have been focused 
on what was right in front of her. She should have been focused on Jesus, but she's so distracted. She comes to Jesus, says, Jesus, you don't even care. Tell her to help me. And look at how Jesus responds in verse 41. Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. She's chosen what? What's better? Folks, you tell me, what is better? than being in the presence of Jesus Christ. You tell me what's better than spending time with him. There is nothing better than being in the presence of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 84 verse 10, he says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Man, there's another story in the Bible where Jesus is walking on water. Anybody ever heard that story before? He's walking on water in the middle of a storm, in the middle, while the disciples are in the middle of a lake, and he comes walking towards them. And man, it looks, it's got to be like a scene out of the Terminator, man. This, there's lightning everywhere and thunder, and the disciples look out and they see this figure walking towards them, and they're scared to death. They think it's a ghost. And so Jesus has to come and say, hey, 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 be, 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 it's okay, man, it's me. Be of good courage. Take heart, it's me. And so Peter's in the boat, and Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, tell, tell me to come to you. Y'all know that's what we're, and Peter actually walks, I want you to see this. I want you to see this, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 29. So he says, hey, if it's you, tell me to come. And so the Bible says, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Brother, this is unbelievable. Peter is walking, literally walking on the water. As he's focused on Jesus Christ, as he's focused on what's ahead. I mean, he's looking his Savior in the eye, and he's walking on the water. But look at what happens in verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. You see that? It's when Peter takes his focus off Jesus that he starts to sink. It's when Peter looks at the wind in waves. It's when Peter gets distracted that he begins to sink. And maybe you're here today and you feel like that. You feel like you're sinking. You don't know what's going on in your life. You feel overwhelmed. Nothing seems to be working out right. Could it be? Because you are distracted. Could it be because you are focusing on the wind and the waves and not focusing on Jesus Christ? Listen to me. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You listen to me. The first thing that you and I do every day doesn't need to be pull out our phone and look at Facebook look at Instagram then first thing we do every day needs to be spend time with Jesus where we just say thank you for waking me up today father I pray that you would just give me the words to say today that are going to be pleasing to you father help me point others back to your goodness and your greatness that's what we need today that's what we need to do every day seek first his kingdom is Sunday it's not the last day of the week. Sunday is the first 
day of the week. That's why we gather in God's house. We're seeking His kingdom first. I'm telling you, our eyes need to be focused on Him. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 27, he said, don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Not for one minute. Not for one second. He says, keep your feet from following evil. See, the enemy knows that if he can get you distracted, it'll be easier for you to get your feet into some evil. So he's going to do everything he can to distract you, to keep you from focusing on what's important. Mary was focused on Jesus, and Jesus said it will not be taken from her. Again, I hate to give Martha a bad rep because the things that she was distracted with, they weren't bad things. They were good things. People need to eat. Things need to be cleaned. But let me encourage all of you, man, don't settle for good things and miss out on God. Don't settle for good things and miss out on God things. Mary chose what was more important. Are you? Are you choosing what's more important? Am I? Are we choosing what's more important today? Because if we're not, today's the day. See, see again, distractions. Distractions. I said it earlier. Your enemy, the devil, every demonic force of hell wants to do what they can to pull you away to drag you away, to keep you captive. Folks, this isn't a way to live, to be pulled. How'd that feel, Bubba? To be dragged, to be kept. This isn't a way, this isn't a way to live. So today, you know what we can do? Let us throw off the rope. Let us throw off those distractions. Let us throw off and fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us look at what's most important in this world. Is that what you're doing today? If it's not, it's time to let go. It's time to let go and look to Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but I wonder if there's someone here today, you're a Christian, But you know that there was a point in your life where you loved God more. There was a point in your life where you used to seek God more. There was a point in your life where you felt like you just had this passion for Christ and the things of Christ. But somewhere along the way, you've been pulled. You've been distracted. You've been dragged away by your enemy. And you'd say today, Pastor, man, I I want to throw that rope off. I want to cut that rope. Pastor, pray for me. Help me to focus on Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask that you just lift your hand right where you are. Amen. A lot of hands. Father, I pray for these who've indicated today that they need to do a better job focusing on you. You are most important. You're not part of our life, God. You are our life. Father, without you, 
we'd be hopeless. So I pray that we would just focus on you with all that we've got. We really would seek first your kingdom and righteousness. Again, we're continuing to pray. But I wonder today if maybe you came in and you don't know Jesus and you're here today and you've felt like your life was just sinking and you're just so overwhelmed maybe there's a lot of weight there's a lot of guilt there's just something that's just pulling you down listen to me Peter cried out Lord save me and immediately the Bible says Jesus reached out his hand and pulled Peter back into the boat today I'm telling you that Jesus can rescue you from whatever hopeless situation you seem to be in and so if you've never prayed to receive Jesus you've never asked him to be your savior and that's something that you want to do I just want to invite you to pray this prayer right where you are Father forgive me today for all of my sins I need you I'm crying out to you Father I'm looking to you and I pray that you would save me Father I confess you as Lord I confess you as Savior and I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower me to follow you all the days of my life I pray Father I wouldn't be distracted from you because you really are what matters most Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today, if you prayed to receive Jesus, you prayed to give him your heart and life, if you would just do me a favor right where you are and that you would just lift your hand, you prayed to give your life to Christ, amen, amen, amen. Father, you are so good. You are so good, Father. Father, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us that you would continue, that you would continue to move and work in our hearts and our life, Father. I pray that we would continue to throw off everything that so easily entangles us. And Father, let us fix our eyes on you because you're good. Thank you for loving us.